Hello, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And I know today is going to be a good day for you, because to begin with, you turned on the show. So you like what I'm saying. I've touched a spot in your brain that makes you desire to know more. And that, my friends, is a good thing. Because the more you know, the more you will talk about. And our history and our knowledge will be spread amongst our people. And if you are a first-time listener, I say to you, buckle up, because I am going to drag your mind into the caves of darkness that holds our stolen and hidden history. So sit back, relax, adjust your headphones, and let's slip into darkness. When Duke Ellington and his band toured the segregated South in the early 1930s, they encountered racism wherever they went. A gorgeous black performer also traveled with the band, Frederica Freddie Washington. Lilt and light-skinned, she was pale enough to pass as white in the color-obsessed South. And during the tour, she took advantage of her skin color to slip into whites-only ice cream parlors and buy ice cream for the entire band. Washington may have used her skin color to procure cool treats on the road, but she refused to use it for economic or social gain. During a time of harsh segregation and overwhelming bias against African Americans, she embraced her heritage. And while other actresses of Hollywood's golden age, like Merle Oberlin, who was Anglo-Indian, and Rita Hayward, who was Spanish-American, hid their features as the price of admission to white Hollywood, Washington refused to hide behind her light skin. Born in Savannah, Georgia, Washington moved to Harlem along with her family during the Great Migration when black families fled the Jim Crow South in search of new opportunities in northern cities. The daughter of a postal worker and a dancer, Washington had green eyes and light skin that belied the era's common expectations of what an African-American looked like. Washington knew that regardless of her looks, the era's construction of black race as belonging to anyone who had even a drop of black heritage meant she would always be considered African-American by white audiences unless she simply passed as white. Racial passing allowed black Americans to sidestep racism faced by black people and claiming the privilege of whiteness in public spaces. 
The practice was seen by many African Americans as a way of outwitting the system of oppression and making laughable fools of those who maintained notions of white racial purity and supremacy. But it also alienated people from others of their culture. A black woman who passed might be considered white, but she ran the constant risk of losing her privilege once it was discovered she was really black and of being shunned by black people once they learned she was claiming whiteness. Instead of turning her back on her race, Washington reveled in it. She immersed herself in the growing Harlem Renaissance during which her neighborhood turned into a cultural oasis and a hotbed of African-American artistic production. Now, this chick was already a talented singer and dancer, and she became a chorus girl, then an actress, traveling to Europe and starring in stage productions in New York. She also performed with Duke Ellington's band and had an affair with the married musician. At the time, black actors had few opportunities in Hollywood. The majority of black people on film could be seen only in race films designed for all black audiences. Those who did break into movies for white audiences were relegated to subservient or stereotypical roles. But Washington broke through that barrier in imitation of life. Ironically, in a film that explored the practice of passing that she had declined to adopt in her own life. In 1934, she played the role of Theola, the daughter of a black housekeeper, Louise Beavers, whose life is closely intertwined with that of a white widow and her daughter. Theola turns her back on her mother, who dies a dramatic death brought on by her life of self-abnegation and sorrow over her daughter's betrayal. The movie would start Claudette Corbert as the white friend dealt frankly with interracial identity, passing, and the similarities and differences between black and white women themes that had never been thoroughly explored in mainstream Hollywood. And unlike all films for white audiences that came before it, it essentially treated the stories of its black and white characters as equally important. This was enormously significant to black audiences who saw Piola's struggle to accept herself as a cry for equality. As white audiences saw Piola's story as a black person's struggle to be white, black audiences, on the other hand, saw it as the rebellion of a black woman trying to gain the privileges only given to white people. The film and Washington became an enormous hit within the black community, in part because of how it was marketed. Both Washington and Beavers 
were heavily featured in an unprecedented special trailer that ran in segregated movie houses. By acknowledging black audiences, even to sell them something, Universal gave an implicit nod to a group of people who were not used to seeing any kind of representation on film, much less an emotional exploration of racial politics and passing. Ironically, though, Washington's breakthrough role cut short her acting career. She became so identified with Piola that it was hard for her to get other roles. And we all understand that. We've known people or seen people in Hollywood that we know are stuck in a situation where they can only represent one type of person, either a wife or a girlfriend, and it's always that same role. And it happens to black women an awful lot. But in Washington's case, since white Hollywood refused to cast black women in romantic roles, she couldn't get leading roles. Since her skin was so light, many identified her as white. She couldn't get more stereotypical roles as maids. She made her last movie appearance just three years after the imitation of life. She was too light to be a servant and too black to be in a romance movie. But Washington was not done being who she was. Her career wasn't done yet. In 1937, Washington helped found what would become the Negro Actors Guild of America, a group that advocated for less stereotypical roles and better working conditions for black actors. She also became a drama critic, writing theatrical reviews of African-American newspapers and served as a casting consultant for films and theatrical productions that concerned race. And unlike Fiona, she never denied her African-American heritage. She served as the entertainment editor of The People's Voice, established in 1942 by Adam Clayton Powell, who married Freddie's sister. Freddie was also active in the NAACP. She played opposite the great African-American Paul Rubinson on several occasions, most notably in the film version of The Emperor Jones in 1933, but also in a 1926 production of Black Boy at the Stafford Theater. Freddie's first husband was Lawrence Brown, a trombonist in Duke Ellington's band. After they divorced in 1951, she married a Stanford dentist, Hugh Anthony Bell, and moved to suburban Greenwick. Bell died in 1970. In 1975, Freddie was inducted into the Black Filmmakers Hall of Fame. In 1979, she received a Circa Award for Lifetime Achievement in the Performing Arts. She was 90 years old when she died of pneumonia 
1994. And she once stated, early in my career, it was suggested that I might get further by passing as French or something exotic. But to pass for economic or other advantages would have meant that I swallowed whole hog the idea of black inferiority. There you have it, my friends. The story of Frederica Freddie Washington. And rest in peace, my sister. And thank you for the contributions you made to us. Because there's no telling how far you could have gone if you had turned your back on us and claimed whiteness like so many others had. And you are an inspiration to others who have and will walk the same path. And so once again, we say thank you. And once again, we know what that music means. But before I go, I must leave you with this. Life is too short. Grudges are a waste of perfect happiness. Laugh when you can. Apologize when you should and let go of what you can. Take chances. Give everything and have no regrets. Life is too short to be unhappy. You have to take the good with the bad. Smile when you're sad. Love what you got and always remember what you had. Always forgive, but never forget. Learn from mistakes, but never regret. People change and things go wrong, but always remember, life goes on. Until next time, my friends, it's been my honor. <laughs>